The reading today is from Matthew chapter 9, 27 to 33. Jesus heals the blind and mute. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And and when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Right, I'm always told never to say this, but I'm going to say it. I'm not the vicar. (laughs) Uh, I'm not a priest. Uh, And there are some people here today that obviously know that's not the case. Because they know me from years ago and it makes me feel a little bit nervous because these are somewhat different surroundings from uh, what we were used to back in the day. (laughs) But anyway, my life's changed and uh, the reason it's changed is because uh, in 1990, on the 6th of October, I came to a sort of crossroads in my life where the things that I was doing and the life that I was living was getting so sort of intense that I couldn't really carry on the way I was because I knew that if I did, I would probably end up in prison or I'd probably end up just in the gutter, really, because, you know, the wheels were starting to come off in my life. I was drinking too much, getting in trouble, all that sort of thing, which is fine when you're a young single man, but when you're married and you've got two young children, you know, you need to start taking responsibility in your life, and I wasn't really doing that. And... uh, It just got to a stage where I realised that something had to give because I didn't really want to end up the same way as my dad, who's now dead, uh, because my dad was an alcoholic. And I could see that that's the way my life was going to go. I wasn't really uh, a church-going person. Never went to church. Didn't really believe in God. I didn't think I believed in God anyway. And uh, when my mother-in-law became a Christian... And she started speaking to me about Christianity. I used to laugh and say, oh, the round dead's my church and, you know, the, the bar's my altar and, you know, you'll never get me going to church. And she used to leave little tracks lying around, you know, sneakily trying to sort of, you know, get it in and all the rest of it. And I said, I didn't want to know about it, you know. I used to think it was funny. And uh, I remember once I went to a church service, a little bit like this, where someone was getting christened and all the stuff was going on and... I was there with my father-in-law and we was nudging each other and was looking at people and laughing. I just thought the whole thing was a bit of a joke. But then one weekend I went out and, you know, got drunk and stayed out for the weekend. And, you know, Lynn, who's my wife at the time, you know, she just said to me, that's it, I've had enough. I can't put up with the way you're living. You know, you can't carry on like this. So I thought, crikey, you know, this is... This is it now, this is serious, this is, you know, this is, this is big time. And so uh, she, was, she said to me, right, you can't live with us anymore, you've got to go and live somewhere else. 
And it suddenly started to dawn on me that, you know, everything that I had could be lost. So anyway, uh, unbeknown to me, there was this meeting that was happening one Saturday night. And Lynn's mum said, look, you ought to come along to it. You don't know what's going to happen. You never know. Just come along. It might change your life. And I thought about it and thought about it and thought, it's on a Friday night. I don't really want to go to church on a Friday night. You know, I'd rather go out and have a drink and everything. But the thing was, there was a little bit of persuasion that came into play. And basically, I was blackmailed. And uh, I was told that if I didn't go to this meeting, that I, you know, that was it. I, I couldn't sort of come home on the Monday, so I didn't have much choice. Well, it wasn't really blackmail. But anyway, kind of. So anyway, I went to the meeting. And it was just a strange, sort of surreal sort of time because I'm not a church-going person. My family aren't church-goers. Very much the opposite, actually. Went into the meeting, lots of singing going on and all the rest of it. Sat down. Someone gave me a Bible. I could see a little bit better then. I didn't need reading glasses, so I flicked through it every now and then, put it away. And then someone got up to speak. And... From the moment that the person started to speak, it was almost as if everybody else in the church didn't exist. And it was almost as if I'd been put in sort of like a a glass box and no one else was there apart from me. And a light had just sort of started to shine on me. And it was the most uncomfortable feeling because I suddenly became aware that there was a presence in the room that I couldn't explain. In this Bible passage, it says that there were two blind men that followed Jesus. But when they followed him, they called out to him and they used a a term which is a bit unusual. They called him the son of David. They didn't call him Jesus. They called him the son of David. And the reason why they called him the son of David was because in that title, they were actually telling him that they recognised who he was. Because the son of David was a title for the coming Messiah. They wasn't calling him Jesus or Lord. They were actually saying, you are the Messiah. Now, even though these men were blind, they recognised him, even though they couldn't see. And there are a lot of people in this world who are are sighted, but are more blind than what these two men were. And back in the day when I'm talking about this story, I was a blind man, even though I could see. I didn't know who Jesus was. I couldn't recognise him. But when I went into that room, and I felt as if everybody else didn't exist, and that light shone on me, for the first time in my life... I recognised that God is real. And it took me completely by surprise because he's someone that I ran away from for all of my life. He's someone that I only came to when I really needed someone to help me out in a time of trouble, you know, a little prayer, that kind of thing. I never realised that God could actually be real. And even now, even though we're in church and we sing songs and we pray prayers and all the rest of it, subconsciously, Deep down in our hearts, we don't really sometimes believe that God is real. But this night, I believed that God was real. And when this man started to speak, it was as if the whole of my life was beginning to be told right before my very eyes. I could see everything that had ever happened to me. From the time, you know, when I was a child, to my mum and dad splitting up, to all the things that happened, through all the bad things and all the stuff, all the different places that I lived in and all the rest of it. Everything. It was as if God was saying, Chris, I know everything about you. It doesn't matter where you've been or where you've gone. I know everything about you. Now, I'm telling you something. When you begin to realise that God is real, 
And then when you begin to realise that actually God knows everything about you, that's quite uncomfortable. Because suddenly there's no place to hide. There's nowhere where you can go. It's as if you've just been completely exposed. And I was scared. I must admit, I was, I, was, I was scared because I knew that God knew everything about me. And I always thought that the only thing God ever wanted to do was strike me down with a bolt of lightning because I knew what I was like. And I knew that the only thing that I deserved was that, was God's judgment. But the next thing that happened really took me by surprise because I was expecting judgment. But instead I found that God loved me. Because it was in effect, God was saying to me, Chris, I know everything about you. I know your background. I know where you've been. I know what you've been doing. I know all the sin that's in your life. But right now, tonight, I'm giving you the chance to change. And that was it. That's what the cross is all about. The cross really epitomizes what we go through in life. It's a crossroads. And I think any of us who've lived on this planet for any length of time, we've all been in points of our lives where there have been crossroads, where there have been decisions that we've had to make. Sometimes we make good decisions, sometimes we make bad decisions. Most of the time, the decisions that we make don't really make that much difference to our lives. But there are some times in life where the decision that you make is so important that it could have such a bearing, not just on your life, but on everybody else's life, it's, it's life or death. And this particular night for me was that kind of decision. It was coming to the cross. And so I was thinking it over and I thought, there's only one thing I can do. I've got to make a decision. I either walk out of this church the same way that I walked in, or I walk out of this church a different man. And when the guy asked for a response, I made a response and I could not believe what I was doing. Because you've got to remember that, you know, back in those days, I wasn't comfortable in being in church and all the rest of it. It wasn't my cup of tea. And I found myself stood at the front of the church with all of these people that I thought were much better than me. And, you know, making this response. And all I can say is, is that from that moment on, it felt as if weights had been lifted off my shoulders. It felt as if scales had been lifted from my eyes. I really can sort of resonate with this text because when these men called out to Jesus, he touched them and they could see. On this particular night, I reached out to Jesus. I called out to him the best way that I knew how. And believe it or not, he touched me and I could see. And it seems incredible to say it, but I really could see for the first time. And when I went home that night, Lynn, who wasn't a Christian, said to me, Chris, what's happened to you? You look different. And I said, well, what do you mean? I look different. And she said, well, it's just your eyes. It just, you, just, you just look different. And I remember not long after that, I was working on building sites. And I know this sounds really crazy, but I was mixing muck at the cement mixer and just going about my work. And suddenly I became aware of things around me like I never did before. I mean, this really sounds strange, but it, seems like the, it seemed to me like the trees were more green. It seems like the, the, the sky was more blue. It felt like, you know, everything was just alive. You know, I could hear birds singing. I looked at people in a different way. And when the Bible says that you've got to be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven, I realise now that that's exactly what it means. Because for me, I was born again. 
It was as if my whole life had just stopped on the 6th of October, 1990, and as if from that moment on, I became a different person. It was as if I was born again. And it's not easy making that decision. Because, you know, there are a lot of guys, and I've had them speak to me in the pub, and they said to me, ah, Chris, you know, that Christianity, that's just a crutch, while they're drinking a pint of beer and smoking a fag. And I'm thinking, a crutch? Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and pick up his cross. That's hard. Because when you do that, you have to, you, you, you just change. And when you've been around people that know you as a certain way, and then you change, that's difficult. Because even your own family can disown you. Even my own dad didn't want to talk to me when I first became a Christian. It was hard. And it's still hard. I've been a Christian since 1990, and it doesn't get, any, it doesn't get easier. It's not roses around the door. It doesn't make me perfect. It doesn't make me better than anybody else here today. It doesn't mean that somehow I'm a holy person. All it means is simply this, is that I recognise the fact that I need a saviour. All it means is, is that I recognise that I'm not a perfect person. All it means is, is that I recognise that I'm not here by chance, and neither are you. All it means is, is that, you know, I don't have to go through my life on my own. All it means is, is that I can have a relationship with the one who made me. That doesn't mean to say that I change in the way I am as a person. It doesn't change my characteristics. I still like football. I still like a pint of beer. I still talk the same. I'm still essentially the same person on the outside. But what it means is, is that I've got hope where I didn't have a hope. What it means is, is that one day when I, when I die, I've got confidence that that's not going to be the end for me. Whereas before I thought it would have been. What it means is, is that one day I truly, truly believe that I'm going to meet my maker face to face. I'm going to meet Jesus and he's going to ask me what I've done with my life. And you know something? He's going to ask all of you the same question. There's no one in this room today that's exempt because we all come into this world the same way and we all go out of it the same way. But what makes the difference is, is what you do with your life when you're here. And it doesn't matter how good you are, it doesn't matter how many times you go to church, it doesn't matter how many prayers you pray, it cuts no mustard with God. What really cuts the mustard with God is that you recognise that you're a sinner and that you need a saviour. What cuts the mustard with God is that you can be humble enough to hold your hands up and say, I've made some mistakes in my life and I need your help. That's what cuts the mustard. And what cuts the mustard is what the Bible calls being able to be humble enough to repent and say that I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to turn around and not live my own way, but live your way. And that's what I've done. And that's not easy to do. But I tell you something, I would not change a single moment. I would not go back to the way that I was because now with Christ, I'm a new creation. I'm a new person. And sometimes I have to pinch myself at moments like this when I'm sort of in this position. But I thank God for it. And so really I suppose my challenge to you is is that you know maybe you've gone through your life sort of like you know, ignoring God, 
Maybe you've gone through your life not really sort of like giving him much thought or anything else. Maybe you thought as a bloke that being a Christian is a sissy thing to be. Jesus was no sissy. So if you read the Bible and you see the death that he had to go through in order for us to become right with God, that's not a sissy. That's a man. And that is a man that even though he hung on the cross could turn around and say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. God is real. And Jesus is real. He died for us so that we could have eternal life. And church, sometimes church can be boring, I've got to admit it. But church isn't going to save you. Jesus is going to save you. Jesus is real. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same forever. He's not dead. He's alive. The Bible says that there's a man in heaven who intercedes for us, who prays for us day and night. And that man's name is Jesus. And that's the man that I've given my life to. And that's the reason why I can stand here today and say the things that I'm saying. So, thank you for listening. I don't think I'll say any more. That's probably enough. It's been good to see some old faces. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you.